Hello, and welcome to Let Your Guard Down, a podcast with myself, Peter Corcoran, where I'll be joined each week by various guests to have an open discussion about that person's path and how they ended up where they are now, with an openness around adversity, difficulty, and challenging times, as well as the more positive experiences along the way. Today, I will be joined by Stacey Bradish. Stacey, a fellow cancer survivor, discusses her experience with receiving such a frightening diagnosis at such a young age, the physical and emotional rollercoaster that followed, and having to go through intense treatment in the midst of a global pandemic. With real openness and honesty, Stacey also discusses how she has used her experience to raise awareness and support for young people who have also been diagnosed with cancer. An eye-opening chat with an inspirational young woman, there is no doubt a lot of people will take a lot from this conversation with Stacey. So, Stacey, uh, thanks for taking time out now on a, fr- on a Friday evening uh, to, to join me here and have a chat. Um, know, how are things I'm anyway? I've seen you're, you're back You're back working now. Is that placement for college or are you actually, is that working full time or what's the, how are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm on placement, which is, um, which is brilliant. Like it's, I guess I've been waiting to go back for such a long time now and, you know, I guess from being away from it for so long because I took a year out it's just it's so nice to be back and able to I guess just get back to a bit of normality especially with COVID as well it's just you know so much has changed over the past year but um yeah it's such a great feeling and uh how are things in general like I know as you said like it's hard to um with COVID it's very hard to feel normal I feel you know like even despite everything else that might have been that was going on anyway as well like COVID is just um like I'd say, being able to actually, as you said, have a structure of getting out, going to work and being in the workplace is, is just such a, it, it's brilliant for That's you. So brilliant for yeah. you, especially. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like, I'm kind of, because I wasn't actually sure if I'd go back to college this year or not. And I think, especially with COVID, I was kind of not sure if I'd be able to go on placement. You know, I wasn't sure how that would be with my immune system and stuff. Mm. I was just kind of a bit worried. So, um, but I'm so glad now with how it's kind of worked out and if anything it probably worked out better for me because you know um, being able to work from home and like do my college work for the first few months from home when I was still kind of trying to build up my energy a little bit more yeah. um, I think that just made such a huge difference to me and by the time placement came along I think I was in a much better place physically and just kind of you know dealing with fatigue and tiredness and stuff like that I just feel like it was kind of the best time like it kind of came around at the the perfect time for me so and um, yeah it's so good I'm four weeks in now so it's just it's brilliant and uh, just um, out of... to be back to a bit of normality oh yeah no definitely and I, I I completely can see how that would just be it's 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 a game changer getting back into something like that and just out of curiosity on a side point have uh, have you received vaccination yet or um I have, yeah. I was actually so lucky because um, they're doing the vaccinations in Connolly um, at the moment. And um, I think it was on my, I think it was only my third day or my fourth day. And um, one of the girls rang up the vaccination clinic for me and they were like, yeah, that's no problem. Like we actually have um, kind of a couple, you know, there's like an overflow kind of where, you know, if they have a couple in the evening, I put some people on a list and um yes yeah, so I got it the next day which was absolutely amazing and um so I think that was three weeks ago now so um I think they said it was 72 percent it's 72 percent effective from the first dose which is just 
brilliant. So I'm, I'm delighted that I don't have to worry as much as, I mean, obviously still have to be so careful, but um, it's great to have that extra reassurance as well. Yeah, it's a bit of bit more of a weight, say, off your off your back, um, especially with something like like COVID and given uh, what what you've gone through over the last eighteen months, two years. So, exactly. the last thing I just wanted to check regards your placement is: are, after your placement, do you go back to college then, or what's the the upshot so, on that? Um, do you... Yeah, um, I'm in my final year, so I'm in fourth year. So, um, after this, so I have another. I think it's eight weeks left. It's like you changed it because of COVID, you know, they're kind of like, it could be 10, it could be 12 weeks in total. But um, I think I have eight weeks left now. And then it's just my thesis, um, which is due in May, and then my exams. So, um, and then I'm done and I have to look for a job. So out to the real yeah, world. Then it's into, <laughs> into the real world. But, but no, look, that, that's great. As I said, that, you know, you're you're nearly there to kind of the, there's light at the end of the tunnel, especially from the, the college and the workplace point of view so and um, the very best of luck with that and i hope i hope covid doesn't impact too much and push it further down the line i hope you you get through it and get get over the line at the end but um i suppose we'll we'll get into the the chat now and we will rewind back to 2019 um and you might give us a bit of a background on you were diagnosed with hodgkin's lymphoma um towards the end of 2019 so how how did that come about? Um, what symptoms did you have, or did you notice anything peculiar at the time? Or yeah, so um, I had been interrailing. Um, I think it was in June of twenty nineteen, and um, it was about halfway through. So I went away for thirty days, and I, like I remember halfway through, I started getting this kind of like cough, and it was just you know like I didn't really think much of it. I was like I'm traveling. Um, you know, I'm run down, like I'm literally living in hostels. Um, so, you know, I didn't really think too much of it. And um, I kind of just went on with things. I was a little bit tired. Um, but when I got home, it didn't really go away, you know. And then I was thinking, oh, it's probably a chest infection. Like I had a chest infection this time last year. And it's not a big deal. It'll go away by itself. Um, so I kind of just left it. And I was back in college at that stage, so I was kind of busy, you know, I was starting fourth year, and um, I was trying to kind of get my thesis started and stuff like that, so I just didn't really take much notice of it, I kind of, you know, um, I didn't really think about it too much, and it was only when it started to kind of really affect me, and, you know, I was starting to struggle to breathe, and my heart rate was really, really high, and I would find that if I was walking at like a fast enough pace or if I walked up the stairs I actually couldn't breathe properly like I would really struggle and I'd have to stop and I even found that I couldn't even sleep lying on my back anymore and I had to actually lie on my stomach because it just felt like there was like this pressure in my chest and um yeah it was just kind of like (laughs) looking back now like I should have realized that something was wrong but I just convinced myself that it was fine and I was so busy with other things. I just, you know, I think with a lot of people that kind of happens where they're so busy with everything else that they they just kind of <laughs> don't really pay too much attention. You know, they think it's going to just go away by itself. Um, and when you're 21, you know, you're like, oh, you know, <laughs> like there's not going to be anything really serious wrong. It's just going to be asthma or chest infection. I completely, I completely uh, understand what you're saying. It's, 
your mind doesn't really go to to cancer really doesn't it it's the last thing that it doesn't even cross your mind never mind being the last thing it just doesn't you don't go there and i can relate the, the symptoms that you've described there are pretty much a carbon copy of what of what i had as well you know just struggling to breathe a cough that didn't really go away and um, maybe being i'd say unnaturally tired after exercise that maybe was a bit tough but shouldn't have had you as tired as as you were that kind of thing so again you just you, you keep yourself occupied your uh it's you know as you said a, a cold a chest infection and um, yeah it's just something normal that would happen to you know people who are 21 or you know like just one of those things that you know a cold or like a flu or something that's going to go away by itself but you never think it's going to be something as serious as cancer and um, and and I think you said as well that you had weight loss. Like I experienced that as well. I kind of, but I honestly thought it was because I was away. I was doing a lot of walking, you know, I probably wasn't eating the best because I mean, we were just running around traveling. And um, so it was only when it got to that stage where I couldn't ignore it anymore that I was like, okay, I'll go to the college doctor. And I actually went to the college nurse first. And it was only when, um, she did, couldn't really figure out what was wrong, so she um, got me to go to the college doctor. And by the way, this was like I had a gap between lectures. Like I was taking, like I didn't think anything of it. I was literally going back to my lecture after this, you know, doctor's appointment. Um, and she was like, "Yeah, like it's a bit strange. Like your heart sounds fine, your lungs sound fine, and um, there's no real reason why your heart rate would be this high." And um, so she sent me for a chest X-ray, an ECG, and some bloods, and like just saying how much I just didn't think this was serious I went back to my college then for my lecture afterwards and went back to college the next day and then it was only the day after that that I went to got my test done so um I remember I went and the bloods were well I mean I don't know if they were fine but they like I got them done fine and got my ECG done that was fine and then I went and got my CT sorry not my CT my chest x-ray and um, they said to me, like, okay, it will take three to five days to get your results. And it was only then when I was walking out the door, they were like, oh, actually, can you wait there for a second? Um, we're just having a look at something. And they said, can you actually wait around the hospital and we'll give you your results in an hour? And I knew from working in a hospital that, like, it's not good if they're telling you they're giving you your results on the day. Like, it's just, like, it's never a good thing. But I still thought it was maybe pneumonia or something. Like, it was nothing really serious. Um, and, but then in an hour, they were like, go to A&E. And uh, there was a doctor there waiting for me, like, took me in straight away. And she basically told me that they had found a mass um, on my x-ray and that it could either be some sort of normal variation, but, like, my heart and my, like, anatomy, or else it could be something really serious, like a mass. Um and I remember at this point, like, my mom had came with me, but they didn't realize that. So they called me in on my own and told me this, which was, like, I just, I can just remember, like, I, like, I couldn't even, I, it just felt like it was a dream, to be honest. It didn't even feel real. Um, and they turned around to me and they were like, you know, do you have anyone that you want to call or that you want, you know, to bring along with you or whatever, because you'll be staying in overnight. And I was like, yeah, my mom's outside. And they were like, yeah, do you want me to tell her or do you want to tell her yourself? And I was like, you can tell her. Like, I'm definitely not, like, telling her this. Um, 
but honestly it was just the craziest feeling and I, I'm sure you felt like that yourself where it just I think even now sometimes it doesn't even feel real but at that moment it was just like I think it just went over my head like it just it felt like I was just gonna wake up and it was all gonna be a dream or something yeah exactly and that's as you said I I know exactly that feeling um, and same pattern you know yeah it results in a couple of days and then it's like oh no hold on a second just stay there for a little while and as you said the minute you hear something like that it's like there must be a red flag here you know they're, they're not just asking me to stay around for for my convenience you know um, no. so, um, in a baby hospital like it's just that yeah happen. exactly so um when so you, you're on that day and i know that day very well myself you're kind of just going to this shock maybe you're just kind of tunnel vision getting through it you know what what has to be done what's next and um, what's what's going to happen because you you don't you're kind of in limbo you don't really know what's what's going on to say to say the least and you know were, did, were you kept in hospital then for a while or did they was there more tests carried out i i, I know myself i got a i got a couple of biopsies and i was kept in for a couple of days um or did they turn it around very quick and after they did whenever you did say um get your your diagnosis were you straight in then for the treatment or what was the how did the next couple of days and weeks follow then after that yeah so i guess i was probably pretty similar to you where um they needed things like a pet scan a biopsy and um, all of the kind of things to you know knuckle down and find out like what the stage was you know what exactly my diagnosis was and um, because they weren't sure at the time if it was Hodgkin's or non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and um, so yeah they did a biopsy and um, it was a needle biopsy I think and it was like just from above my collarbone they put down a needle and kind of took out a little chunk of um of the mass and um, and then I got a PET scan and so after that I think it took about three or four days and um, I had a diagnosis that it was um, stage two bulky Hodgkin's lymphoma, um, which means that with, when it's bulky, it can sometimes be a little bit harder to treat because it's it's about, it's ten centimeters or more. So, um, it just it can be quite hard to get rid of that like last little bit. So, um, yeah. So that's kind of how it happened. And then I spoke to my oncologist, and she kind of told me, you know, what to expect over the next. Uh, four to six months and um, well that's what they thought it would be and um, so they said it would be four to six months of ABVD chemo chemotherapy and that I might need radiotherapy after depending on how well that goes and um, so they were honestly feeling pretty like positive about it all and um, you know they were kind of saying like it'll be fine you know you'll get through this and then things will kind of return back to normal that was kind of how I had it in my head that you know I just get through this hard like four to six months and then I could go back to my life. So that was kind of, I think what got me through was just thinking that, okay, six months time, that's it, it's over. And, um, but I think I'm sure you can <laughs> relate that it's definitely, it definitely doesn't work out that way. And, you know, when you finish treatment, even though that's what you're waiting for the whole time that you're going through treatment, it's, that's not the end. And, you know, it still affects you after you finish treatment and it probably gets even harder <laughs> at that point. Stacey, I know exactly what, what you're saying. Um, it's the treatment again is kind of, as they said, they, they put it to you. It's like, right, you've got, this is your time frame. You get through it and then 
nearly that's your thought process is i get through this and then i'm back to normal life nothing has changed everything's the exact same you know and it really only is maybe after that that you kind of you take take in maybe what what's actually happened the the diagnosis um what's what's happened to your body you know because the 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 chemo the chemotherapy especially is like it's it's rough rough on the system Um, and i know it's doing a job for you you know i know it's it is trying to to get rid and to to help kill the cancer but it also is wiping out everything else in you you know as well as like all your white blood cells everything absolutely everything and say for your like side effects you know and um, were you was there anything in particular you know that uh that that you would have uh suffered from during like the chemotherapy because i know there's they usually warn about uh vomiting uh hair loss did you have to go into hospital at any time um or how did how did the, the couple of months go on, in the first bout of chemo was it was it okay or was there was there some bad days yeah, so the first chemo I got was ABVD, which I think is, is that what you got as well? Yeah. I think it yeah. was, yeah. And um, so with that, I did experience, well, my hair started falling out. I think it was the second round and um, my hair started falling out and I was like, I'm just going to cut it now because there's no point in just watching it, you know. And um, I'm going to be honest though, like I think it probably affected me a little bit less than it would affect most people, most girls like losing their hair. Um, and I know guys too, but I think because I had like such long hair and um, I don't know, I, I don't think it affected me as much as I thought it would at the time. And yeah. um, I think it was more afterwards when I realized, okay, wait, like it's not going to just grow back as soon as chemo finishes. And mm. um, but at the time when I actually, when I actually cut it, I was kind of like, this is kind of cool. <laughs> but it was only when then, and um, you know, I think the longer it kind of went on, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm tired of this now. <laughs> like I, I'll take my long hair again. But, um, so that was, yeah, that was definitely one of the side effects. And then, um, I experienced a lot of nausea um, and that would kind of last probably like, I think it usually started about two days after I had chemo and then it would last about a week at most, maybe like five days to a week. And, um, I also, I don't know if you experienced this too, but um, from the steroids, I would get this kind of like, like moon face almost, like where my face would be kind of swollen. Yeah. And um, and I remember I'd just look in the mirror and I wouldn't even look like myself. And I used to get so upset about it because like I would think I was going to look like that forever. And even though every cycle it happened, <laughs> I just, some for some reason, I would just think I was always going to look like that. Um, and then fatigue and weight loss weight gain like there was kind of a lot of a lot of things and and even like chemo brain where you find it so hard to concentrate so hard to like remember things and I kept you know worrying then about like oh when I go back to college like will this still affect me like will I ever be the way I was before and um, and yeah and just like I think there's so many things like that that cross your mind and the side effects got really bad actually when so I had um, a different chemo at the beginning and then um, it stopped working after four months. Um, well, it stopped working after two, but I had four months in total. And they decided to switch to Escalated Biocop, which is seven chemo drugs. Um, and yeah, that was really intense and really difficult. Um, and it was also more likely to affect things like fertility um, which at that point I didn't have time to do anything about because 
you know, they were getting worried at that point um, that my chemo hadn't worked. And um, I remember the hair loss, like it wasn't even just my hair, it was my eyebrows, my eyelashes, like like completely gone. Um, and then I was experiencing weight loss um, from not being able to eat, um, like really bad, like mouth sores, not being able to swallow. I even needed like a feeding tube at one point. Um, and I was in and out of hospital for that whole three months. So that was like a really weird experience and um, the side effects were really bad from that. Um, but yeah, I guess it's kind of just, you kind of just learn to deal with it when you're going along. I think, I think if someone told me beforehand how bad it would get, I think it would have been really difficult. But I think when it happens, you just kind of have this like strength in you that you don't even realize you have. And then you kind of just get through it somehow. Um, I'm sure you felt the same. You just, yeah, you kind of just take it in your stride, don't you? You don't really, you, it's like, I think the, the big part of it is you don't really have a choice. It's like, this is in front of you. You just, you're going to have to deal with it or you're going to have to find a way to deal with it. It doesn't mean that it's an easy thing to take on or something that you want to take on, but it's it's just, as you said, if you it's what has to be done at that time to get to the angle. Um, and I, I like I can imagine, like, say for, especially when you had to switch up the the treatments and the chemotherapy because I, I never had to get the, the B cup, but I have heard, you know, it's 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 aggressive, like, you know, it's it's very tough on the body and it's it's just, you know, like say, did you have any coping mechanisms at the time, maybe to help you through that kind of thing? Because that's that's an awful lot for, for anyone, you know, say to to take on all that was going on with you, like never mind just physically, you know, the emotional toll, the mental toll. There's, it's, there, it's an awful, awful lot. So, was there anything say that you know you found that helped you say at the time, um, just to to get through the days or support networks or anything like that? You know, family, friends, therapists, anything was there that, that anything you did that just made the journey a bit. I don't want to say easier, but. But more, yeah, more bearable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think for me, um, I found like journaling and kind of planning really helpful. And I would, especially at the beginning when I was on ABVD, I would kind of plan ahead. So I'd know on day, you know, one to seven, just say, I'm going to feel like this and I won't be able to do anything. But for the second week, I'm going to plan to like meet my friend and get a coffee and, you know, I don't know, meet my cousin and go for lunch. And I would plan these little things, like even just, I'm going to get a face mask and get, have a bath and just, you know, like just having little things to kind of look forward to that it doesn't have to be anything huge, but just to know that when I get through those really tough days, there's going to be something to do after that and that I'll feel a little bit better. And even though I know I'm going to feel this way, it's going to end and it's not going to last forever. And, you know, there are going to be a couple of good days before I have to go through it again. So um, I think that was really helpful for me. And I started journaling and I had like a symptom tracker so that I would know, <laughs> I don't know, it just kind of felt like, I think it made me feel a little bit more in control that I knew that on certain days I would have, nausea and then so on those days I'm not going to plan to meet anyone and then on other days I'll feel tired so maybe I'll just talk to someone on the phone instead of like meeting up with them in person and then you know like just knowing that how I'm going to feel in advance just really helped me 
Um, and I know that for some people that might not help, but that really did help me. And, um, and yeah, just I know it's hard at the moment because obviously with COVID, like no one can meet up with anyone. But even just having like a video call or, you know, texting your friend or, you know, having a bubble bath, and like a face mask, you know, there's so many little things that you can do for yourself and not even cancer related. Like, you know, I think even now with COVID, like because we can't do anything, it's so important to plan something in the week that's nice and, you know, that you can look forward to at the end of the day. So, um, but yeah, I do think things like that helped me get through treatment and having like friends and family and journaling and I think music as well. And I really enjoyed cooking. And um, I always cooked after chemo, which is mad because <laughs> I'd be so tired afterwards. But um, I'm like, I probably wasn't even that hungry, but I don't know. It, I think there's something kind of therapeutic about following a recipe and like being like proud of it at the end. But um, yeah, they were kind of the things that helped me. So Stacey, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And it's almost like you're, you're like taking back some sort of control in a situation that is essentially out of your control. You know, you're, you're, you're putting things in place that are just maybe giving you some positivity and uh, a focus, you know, while you're going through something that's completely out of your control. That's, that's quite tough and quite difficult to deal with. You need to have certain things in place there, you know, just that give you some sort of normality, a routine, something to make yourself feel good because there's a lot going on outside of that you know that's maybe not as good or it's it's more of a difficult process to get through so little things like journaling as you said um organizing a zoom call with your friends or meeting somebody for a coffee cooking that's the one now i wouldn't have been i wouldn't have been cooking i was 16 so i i well i'm 27 really 28 now my mom is still cooking for me so um, there's no uh that wouldn't have been one for me but um but I, I know like there was things like that and um, different things, you know, meeting mates at the time we were playing PlayStation or whatever. I used yeah. to just come on the, the few nights, just something that I'd look forward to after the day of treatment. I knew like, you know, you know, your days that are going to be where you're feeling low. It's like, right, well, this is what I can do on this day that might make me feel good. But in four or five days time, I might feel I have a bit more energy and um, I might be able to do something different, like go outside, meet a friend, grab a coffee and just speaking on that because this is something else that I wanted to bring in is that you, you, when you were starting your treatment as we said it was late 2019 into early 2020 then COVID hit right so you, you're already you're already going through an ordeal that's out of your control and then I don't know the universe decides to throw in another one that nobody has any control over and it's what what, what was that like because you know especially treatment you know you're going and you're getting treatment like you had mentioned that uh before that it was i think you were going in yourself where it was that's very isolating you know was there you must have had to be an extra safe especially with the the, the treatment you were getting because your immune system would have been non-existent essentially really wouldn't it or... yeah um the new treatment that i started so escalated bucop um i started that in february so it was literally right before covid hit um so i remember it was kind of around that time that like we could kind of tell that things were not looking great and you know more than likely it was going to come here and um and it was mad how quickly it just kind of changed in the hospitals like literally overnight um there were no more visitors i couldn't bring people to my appointments and um, i couldn't bring anyone to chemo with me 
Um, and up until that point, I always had my mom with me for chemo. And she wouldn't always stay with me the whole time because we weren't actually supposed to have anyone with us. But because I was so young, they always let her come in. Um, but, you know, it was really, really difficult because I couldn't have her there at all. Um, I could have her if I was getting scan results or if I was talking to my consultant. But apart from that, I had to be on my own. And even in the waiting area, like you could be waiting, I'm, I'm sure you know this, but like you could be waiting three hours to see your oncologist because obviously they have such important th- news to tell people and if so such an important job like they could be running around the hospital all morning you know and and um, so it's just you know you, you don't know how long you're going to be waiting so um I'd have to do that on my own and then get my treatment by myself and yeah it just kind of turned out to be such a different experience um after COVID hit and with that new treatment I was impatient a lot of the time so it kind of ended up that um, I couldn't have any visitors and I'd be you know I was always on the cancer ward so I'd be with people that were like three times my age <laughs> like all the time and um, there was even one time where I was on a ward with just like another this man who was like in his 60s and it was just me and him and of course neither of us could have visitors or anything so it was kind of just we kind of just had to talk like talk between the two of us and it's just really hard when you're not feeling well and he was very sick and um, obviously we both had cancer um, and it was just it's just really really difficult and it's tough even being in that environment I think when you're so young and you're hearing people get news that is just devastating you know like um like the things that I heard on that ward like it's you know um like the nurses and everything were absolutely incredible and like in the hospital that I was in you know my consultant and everything was just amazing and I'm so lucky to have been there but being on the ward was definitely tough and and you know I think it's just something that you can't even really imagine until you like go through it but um but yeah it was just it was a tough experience I I can imagine like that's that's something you know nearly as I said that's a I think a one in a million shot really being said of something like that happening to you personally and then something like that happening on top of it globally COVID, and the, yeah. two, the two of them colliding and the two of them COVID, like yeah. literally just it's it's crazy it really is and I was even saying to a friend like a couple of days ago you know like I was calling her and I was saying you know it's it's mad like it's almost like two years now that I've kind of been in isolation sort of because it's like I had one year well nearly a year then of being sick and then you know a year of being isolated because of covid and obviously you have to be so much more careful when you know you've gone through that and your white blood cells and everything are still so low and I remember when I was going through chemo like I would actually have like 0.0 white blood cells like nothing like nothing and I was constantly getting infections and um and you know having to go back into the hospital and getting like IV antibiotics because your body just can't fight off anything so it's so scary then when something like this comes along and you know that it could really really have an effect on you because you know you're so vulnerable and of course at the time none of us really knew how it affected us and you know like there was just so little information out there that it was it was really scary being in hospital at that time I can imagine that's Um, like it's scary enough in hospital as it is but that's that would have been quite terrifying, I can imagine. And say, like, how are you feeling during all of this? Is it just kind of similar, like 
what we spoke about before, just kind of you're, you're, you're doing this, this is what you have to do. You just have to take the necessary precautions, steps or whatever it is to, to get through it. Is it just kind of, you, you are just powering on as best you can. And um, because I know like it's it, during the treatment, because there's so much going on, it's so hard to maybe stop and just take in what's going in. But I just was curious to see like, as there, you know, I, I know you've, you've, you've had your down days and that kind of thing, but has it ever, has there been a period maybe say in the last couple of months where you've uh, maybe taken all of this in and if so, just how have you been feeling? Like, is there, I can imagine a lot of different difficult feelings come up there. There's a lot that comes with a diagnosis like that. And there's a lot that comes with COVID. So as is before, as we mentioned the two of them together, that there's, there's a lot I'd say going on um, and a lot to feel with a lot of that, you know? Um, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Like, I think, during treatment I was kind of in this like I think you kind of go into autopilot mode where you just know that you have to keep going and get through it and everything like nothing else really matters all that matters is getting through treatment and you know like you just get through it no matter what happens but then when treatment ends it's like okay I can go back to my life now and like it's it's so scary when you're trying to like navigate your life again after so long of like every day just being like okay appointments hospitals being sick like the whole year was just being in the hospital and then you're kind of just left by yourself like you no longer have the support of your consultants and your nurses it's kind of like okay you're free to go now go and sort your life out after it's been flipped yeah. up and um, so yeah, I think that was that was when it got really difficult for me and um I'd say like the first because I had radiotherapy after I finished treatment, after I finished chemo. Um so it ended up that Biocop didn't work for me either. Um and at that point they were kind of like, Will we go for a stem cell transplant or will we go for radiotherapy? Because there were two chemo regimens that didn't work for me. So um yeah, they just, they weren't really sure what way to go about it, but they ended up going with radiotherapy because you need chemo for a stem cell transplant and I didn't really have the best local chemo. So um, yeah, we ended up going with radiotherapy and it got me to the point where I'm stable now and um, I'm not officially in remission. So my scans aren't clear or anything. And um, I still do have like parts of my PET scans lighting up, but for the past eight months, it's been the same and it hasn't changed which is great news and it's hopefully it stays that way but um that's kind of at that point when I finished radiotherapy and I didn't really I wasn't really sure because I knew that there was still a possibility that I gave more treatment but at the same time I felt like I had to move on because it was it could have been over you know <laughs> like I don't like I couldn't I didn't yeah. know um so at that point I was trying to kind of move on with things and I was trying to get my life back on track and but then I didn't feel like I was capable of anything because I just I was so exhausted and so tired and um I just felt really like like I don't know if you felt like this but when I finished treatment I just felt so exhausted that I couldn't even like hold a conversation for long like you know I'd, I'd meet up with friends and after like literally a half hour I would be I couldn't even keep the conversation going. I was just listening to what they were saying. Um, and I felt like I was such bad company and like I, was, I wasn't I was worth having around at the time. And that was kind of the type of like thoughts that were in my head. I just I didn't feel like I was 
worth having around or like I was a good friend and you know I felt like you know I was kind of an inconvenience because they were just you know they just felt sorry for me you know because I'd been through so much mm-hmm. and that they didn't actually want me there and um, and I kind of just I think it was at that point then that I was like how am I supposed to get back to college you know I I can't even keep a conversation going how am I supposed to like do exams and go on placement and like I just I really didn't feel like I was capable of of anything at that point and um and I remember I was just in bed constantly like I didn't even want to get up out of bed in the mornings I just I wasn't really doing anything and I didn't have anything to look forward to because of COVID and then of course I didn't think I was going back to college so it just felt like I had no like plan for the future um which was not like which wasn't really normal for me because I've always had something planned like I always knew what I wanted to do after school and then like you know I knew that I'd go to college then I'd get a job and like I had it all kind of planned out in my head and it had kind of just been thrown upside down so it was at that point then that I was like okay so I guess this isn't you know when treatment ends things aren't going to go back to normal and things aren't going to be I'm probably not going to feel like the way I felt before and I don't know if you felt this way but I nearly felt like I didn't recognize myself like when I look back at photos of myself even like interim which was just like a couple of months ago like it was right before I was diagnosed it felt like a completely different person like I felt like I didn't even recognize that person anymore and I felt like I was never going to be that person again and like it was just the weirdest it's the strangest feeling when you're looking at pictures of yourself and you don't recognize like yourself and so it was kind of at that point that my mom was kind of like okay look you're you're not doing well (laughs) you know you're you're in bed all the time like you're just you know you're not you're barely even speaking to us like you're so down um and I had felt like that before like maybe like two years ago I kind of struggled with like anxiety and like a little bit of depression maybe but it was never that bad you know where I really felt like I had no like hope for the future kind of thing and so my mom ended up calling my like the radio radio like the radiotherapy team Um, and she kind of just told them like how I was kind of feeling at the time and um, I was referred to the psycho-oncology team so it's kind of a team of therapists and psychiatrists who specifically deal with people who are going through cancer or who have gone through a cancer diagnosis and that was honestly just like changed my life (laughs) back then because I think up until that point I didn't have any sort of support and um, the fact that that was in the hospital, you know, that I was treated and um, they were just so amazing because they understood exactly what it was that I was feeling and it's not like any other kind of, I guess, mental health, pro- I, like I guess with normally with anxiety, it's, it's things that aren't going to actually happen but when you've been through something so serious and it did happen you know like you had cancer and it's it's such a scary thing and it's a completely valid fear because it could come back and it you know it you went through it it's very different to being afraid of like clowns or something and it's like you know I don't know being afraid of something that's like not gonna happen or you know I don't know it's just it's very different so the fact that they really understood what I was going through and what I was feeling and it just felt amazing to have someone kind of validate what I was feeling and understand it. 
So um, I think you had a similar experience too. With... That's like, yeah, like everything, as you said there, like I know, like, and I'll keep, I'll keep that for a different day. But like when I came out of treatment, I just went, I think I was, I finished radiotherapy in May and by June I was back training for, for championship with my team, right? So I, I kind of, my whole thought process was just, I need to be the person I was before I got sick. You know, like this didn't happen. I'm not who I am right now. But that like, what you've touched on there is that feeling of isolation and maybe say you're close, the people who are closest to you in your life, you know, be it your family, your friends, uh, people that you're friends with in college, you know, work colleagues, whoever. It's very hard to relate to anybody and tell them what's going on with you because they haven't been through it. Uh, a lot of them haven't been through a similar experience and it's when you go to somebody as you said who is able to sit down and be like oh i know exactly what you're talking about i know you know i know people have had this feeling i've had this feeling that kind of thing it just normalizes what you're feeling which nearly takes that isolation part of it out that you're like as you said i'm on my own here nobody gets me nobody understands me like what how do i talk to people about this when like I'm not even sure what what's going on with me, and the big thing, like you touched on there with cancer, is the anxiety that comes with it. Is it nearly shows you, doesn't it, that mortality is real? Like you know, like that these things can happen to you. You know, you don't have to do anything. I found that the scariest part personally was that I don't have to do anything, and something like that can still happen. You know, it, it there's I've no control over those things, and when you go and speak to people with with similar experiences, um it really is just, it's, it's a weight lifted off your shoulders, a completely different kind of feeling um, to just talking it through with, say, maybe somebody close to you who hasn't been through that experience. And that brings me on to my next point, which is what I wanted to uh, touch on, which is yourself and a couple of other um, a couple of other young people set up an Instagram support page, <laughs> Cancergram. And that's like, in my honest opinion, Stacey, that's, that's the greatest thing. One of the greatest things I've ever seen, because <laughs> if, if you go back 10 years ago, there was, there was no, none of that was available. And that's just, sorry, touching on when I was sick, but like I, that page is normalizing all of those feelings you felt. I felt that millions of other people are feeling in that age bracket, dealing with something like that. It is, and, and not even that age bracket, it's kind of any age really. Yeah. And it's, it's that that that's that transformed i know it's only set up say what probably about six seven eight months maybe roughly around that yeah. but like that that transformed even me like even going through and looking at say the, the stories that people are putting up yeah, it, yeah it's just and how, how did how did that come about like because i know there's there's some of the, the the members or the founders of that page are from the uk and um, so how did how, how did how did you guys come together to set up that page um so i guess um, I know you would feel the same way. Um, in Ireland, there really isn't a lot of support for young people who are going through cancer. Um, I mean, maybe for young, young people who are maybe like under the age of maybe 14, there might be a little bit more support with like maybe yeah. on Temple Street, that sort of thing. But um, there really isn't any support for that kind of young adult, adolescence kind of, you know, group where you just feel really isolated and um, you don't meet anyone that's your age when you're going through treatment. Like when you go to a cancer centre, it's a bunch of people that are, you know, maybe three times your age or else it's people who are way younger than you because you're maybe 16 or something and they're all children, you know, that are maybe 
up to 10 years old. So it's it really is kind of that awkward in-between group where you just don't feel like you fit in and you don't feel like anyone else feels what you're feeling. And um, I know that there's a lot more support in the UK. So I kind of met a few girls through Instagram who were going through really similar experiences. And um, they also had Hodgkin's lymphoma and they had all kind of been through, I mean, not the exact same experience, but they had gone through ABBD similar to you and me. And we were, I think we were all kind of diagnosed within the past two or three years. So it just felt so amazing to get to talk to people who knew how I was feeling and just got it for the first time ever. Um, and one of the girls decided to make a group chat and I guess more and more people were being added. And I think there is like 15 of us um, and we would chat every single day like even, not even just about cancer, but a lot of the times it would be about, you know, symptoms and how we would kind of deal with them. And, you know, if anyone had a problem or were, you know, weren't sure whether they should call their nurse or, you know, like so many things, or they were worried about something or, you know, just anything we could just text into the group chat and, you know, somebody would be there and someone would, would have gone through the same thing. And for me, that was honestly just, such a lifeline for me during treatment because I didn't have that like I did I'd never met anyone else my age um except for one girl in the hospital but I met her once you know what I mean and um, so to have these people that just got it was just the most incredible feeling ever and um it was only then a couple of months after I finished treatment that one of the girls was saying you know like this has been so amazing for us like maybe we could start kind of a group where we can help other people who are going through it now. You know, we kind of have this experience of what helped us because, I mean, we helped each other and um, we know what we would love to would have loved to have going through treatment now. So I guess that's kind of where it started and we decided to make an Instagram page and, like, we didn't really think it was going to go anywhere. We were kind of like, oh, you know, if one or two people see this and there's a couple of things that we can help them with, you know, they can message the page if they have any questions or need any advice on anything. Um, because I know when you go to the hospital, like the nurses and the doctors can give you advice, but they can't give you advice from a personal perspective where it's on things like body image and, you know, like actually dealing with symptoms when you have them. Like it's, it's just a different kind of experience, I think, getting advice from someone who's been through it and someone who's learned about it, you know what I mean? Um, so I think... That was kind of what we wanted to do. We wanted to kind of give advice from a patient perspective and or even just let people know what helped us or just be there for people if they need any someone to talk to. And um, and yeah, it's we honestly can't believe how well it's kind of been going. Like we have I think we have one thousand seven hundred followers now. And um like every day we're getting messages of people being like you know, I'm so glad I found this while going through treatment or, you know, I, I wish that I had this when I was going through treatment. And it's just the best feeling ever to be able to kind of turn your own kind of horrible experience into something that might be able to help someone else. And, you know, because it is such an isolating thing to go through. And if we can make it like that teeny tiny bit easier or, you know, make someone feel a tiny bit less alone, then it's worth it, you know. Um, so I'm so glad that it's been able to help a couple of people so far. 
Oh no, it's 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 brilliant. Like it's 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 an absolutely fantastic page, and it, it's a fantastic initiative to see it as well because I uh, I've kept an eye on it over over a couple of months, and it's just growing and growing and growing. And that as you, that support network, as you said, in Ireland isn't really there. You know, it's not as you said. It's usually there's I think there's there's groups maybe for the older or for the older kind of population, and then for the really really young, as you said. But that kind of awkward middle group um as yeah. you put it uh there, there isn't really anything and to have and and that's all you're doing like you know it's it's not like say you're you're not giving out say medical advice it's not this like coming or like from a psycho or a psychological background sorry it's like it's just saying oh i know what you're going through or i went through this and this is what i did it worked for me maybe this might work for you or even it's just an ear if somebody's having a particularly yeah. bad day or you know, I know this is shit. like <laughs> i know how you're yeah. but it will like you will get through it and we're here for you and like sometimes that's all that someone needs um, that's it that's that's all that they need is just that that kind of you know i see you i hear you it's okay we'll help you through it whatever you need it's it, it, and that's a game changer for a lot of people especially in a situation like that where it, it is quite isolating and to bring so many people who have been in who have either been in or are currently in that situation or know people who are in it bringing them together on an instagram page is just it's a fantastic initiative and i i just i i the only way i see it going is just open onwards and upwards because it's it, it just it, it brings so much and I, I i'm 10 years out of treatment and i got so much from it you know what i mean like i, I got so much from that um that page and uh, from your own personal point of view then so like the cancergram page is is run by as you said a couple of a couple of people you know and it's 1700 followers uh there, there's a lot of activity on that page but you are also working on a project yourself um in your own personal time which was a cancer planner um yeah. so do you want to do you want to talk to us about that like again i know you mentioned earlier on you were saying that you did use to journal a lot and jot down bits um when you were in hospital in treatment that you might need to know or this day I feel like this, et cetera, et cetera. Was that, is that kind of the root of it, where it came from or? Yeah, that's kind of where it came from. So I actually had, I mean, I've always kind of had journals and planners and I've always been someone who loves lists, (laughs) loves to have everything written down and um, I love stationery and (laughs) all of that. So, um, So yeah, when I was going through treatment, I kind of just... I guess a lot of the time, especially going through BACOP, I was in hospital a lot and I was trying to pass the time. So I would like draw out these kind of planners in a bullet journal. So it's kind of just a, it's kind of just dotted paper where you can create your own journal. Um, So I would do things like symptom trackers and um, like symptom trackers and medication trackers, making sure that I took my medications during the day. like even to just see what like my mood is like on different days after chemo and writing down notes from appointments and you know test results like everything like that and I would kind of write down in this journal Um, and it was even just kind of a distraction and again a way for me to feel in control in a way and where I knew where everything was I knew that I had everything organized and because at the end of the day, that was kind of the only thing that I was in control of, I guess. So um, I just found that really useful. And I always kind of had it in my head that I would love to make a journal one day, like even before 
I had cancer like I was like you know even like a mental health journal or something and but when I went through that it was kind of like there's so much that you have to keep track of and you know there's so many appointments so many test results like medications like there's so many things that you have to remember and that if it's all kind of in one place it just makes it so much easier and so I guess through that time I was writing down these ideas and and in like a little list and and I would always write like kind of little things that I was grateful for at the end of the week because I just felt like like even though things were so bad you know there were so many bad things that happened there's always something you know there was always like a nurse or something that said something really lovely or you know someone who reached out and you know or a friend that I spoke to or you know something good that happened during the week and even now I love to look back at that and so I just was thinking you know not everyone loves kind of drawing up their own journal so I wonder if there's kind of a way for me to to make a journal that's a little bit easier to kind of keep track of these things and just feel a little bit more in control so yeah I kind of just wrote down my ideas over the months of treatment and then a couple of months after and it was all just kind of ideas and to be honest when I was feeling really low I was like oh there's no way this is gonna work you know <laughs> like um like no one's gonna want it like it's it's just you know how would I even go about doing it and and then like my placement actually got pushed back for college because of COVID and it ended up kind of working out because I kind of just spent that time um, on Microsoft Publisher <laughs> trying to figure out um, what would be good to put into this journal and putting together some ideas and I found out about Microsoft, I'm sorry not Microsoft, sorry Kindle Direct Publishing where you can actually just upload your book and they do all the work for you so I mean they do get a lot like a good bit of the profits but they they'll print it they'll send it off to the people as they buy it and it meant that because honestly I wouldn't know how to go about like ordering books and like selling them like I wouldn't know so um that was just like mind-blowing to me that I could do that and and it all kind of came together really quickly in that couple of weeks where I was kind of in limbo between placement and I ended up just being like you know what I'm going to publish it and if people want to buy it they can um, and I ended up working out really well and um, you know I'm I'm so happy with it and how it turned out and um, I'll have to send you one actually <laughs> I was supposed to send you one yeah. But, um, do yeah yeah no absolutely <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I... Yeah, that's kind of how it worked out and I've had like I think I've had like I think I've sold across like Amazon and Etsy around like 80 or 90 copies and there's a charity in Northern Ireland that ordered 30 and they're going to give them to some patients, which is absolutely incredible. So, um, yeah, it's just been amazing <laughs> how it's worked out. No, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. And there's, again, like so many people will take so much from that because that's, that's exactly what you need is, is a planner. Cause there, there's so much going on, you know, there yeah. between what's going on with your, your medications or like what they, what you have to do on certain days, what way you could be feeling, different symptoms, all of these kind of things. I remember nurses even telling me, say, eat this, eat that, this would be better for, yeah. for you right now when you're going through your treatment. And just to have something like that that's structured and, you know, has the the divisors on the pages that you can note down your, your certain bits, is it's, it's, it's a very clever thought, actually. And so I think you mentioned there, did you say it's it's on Amazon and Etsy? Is that that's where you can pick it up? Is that is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um usually I think it's kind of easier for the UK and in America and France and Germany and everything. 
and um, there's Amazon websites for those countries so it's kind of easier to get it through there but for people in Ireland I um I have it on Etsy and it's a little bit cheaper as well because um Amazon <laughs> you know sending it off and printing and everything so um I just send it from my house and um so I have it a little bit cheaper for people <laughs> from Ireland but um but yeah no it's been so nice even just packing them away and sending them off and it just feels yeah. really fulfilling or something it's it's so nice and and that's a I know probably the best place to access say information on this is with the, would you say your Instagram page or on your Twitter yeah. and say are probably the two the two best so and there is Stacey Bradish is that the other that's yeah, the the names or or do you want to underscore Bradish and Stacey underscore my, Bradish, perfect. that's my Instagram so yeah <laughs> um and I have the link in my bio so um to all of that no, it, it, Stacey, like I can't, I can't thank you enough for, for as I said, taking out the, the bit of time now this evening and throughout the, the whole thing and, and the time that I've known you, I've always seen how open and vulnerable and, you know, it's it's admirable to to look at your journey on on Instagram and social media mm-hmm. and just see how far you come and it's it's great it's great news to hear that as you said you're you're stable and you're back you're back in placement you've got your mm-hmm. your vaccinations um and things just uh, as of now look to be look to be going quite well for you and I, I wish you all the best and onwards and upwards in everything you're doing be that the cancer Grand page the the can planners the journals um. I just wish you all the best and, and thanks so much for coming on. I really, really enjoyed this chat. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so nice. Many thanks again to Stacey for jumping on and having a chat with me this evening and for being so honest and real surrounding her experience. Stacey can be contacted on Instagram and Twitter at Stacey underscore Bradish for anyone interested in purchasing her MyCan Cancer Planner. The group support page can also be found on both Twitter and Instagram under the handle at Cancergram. So that's the end of today's episode, but I will be back next week as usual with another episode of Let Your Guard Down. I look forward to seeing you then.